Good morning. Can you hear me okay? Um, it is second Sunday in Lent. Welcome. Um, hopefully we'll wake up a bit. It's hard. <laughs> that hour of sleep meant everything to me. So, um, Josh preached last week about opening the next six weeks for us uh, just with a focus on being um, together in the life of God with God. And he focused, he had us focus on the with God um, as we look at the Gospel of John in the lectionary passages. So, spoiler alert, today is John chapter 3, and a lot of you had a heads up about this because I asked you for your input, and a lot of you helped write this sermon with me. So thank you for those of you that responded. Some of, I didn't get to email everyone, and I didn't get, didn't get to speak with everyone face to face, but I did my best. I reached out as far as I could with the time I had, and many of you responded. Now, um, John chapter 3 is um, coming. There's a slide coming. And this is the chapter where we hear the word, the phrase, born again. And um, I asked many of you to tell me what this has meant in your Christian journey. And um, if my slide's not coming, I had some interesting responses, both very positive and negative. <laughs> and that is not shocking for Mountainside Communion. I was not surprised about how we responded to this question and this phrase. Um, but I, I, I collectively first took some of the... the um, the concern or the angst that we've carried with this phrase. And I just want to acknowledge that real quick. We're going to honor it and we're going to move right through it and hopefully find a good word for us today from the rest of this uh, chapter. Um, some of your remarks, again, were not surprising. Born again is a co-opted concept, stripped down to almost meaninglessness because of overuse or use of the phrase done in vain or as something to be bought and sold a commodity, a checklist, a status of entry into heaven, coercion, and the urgency to join God's team. Um, or else, be against God's team, which means losing, or condemnation, or damnation. Uh, this phrase and this chapter symbolize an obsession with a single moment, maybe of accepting Jesus. Look at that, guys. I have images. Um, accepting Jesus or saying some sort of sinner's prayer in which there are extra points if it's done publicly with a crowd watching, maybe a testimony of someone who has been really, really bad turns into someone who becomes really, really good. Um, John 3.16 and the phrase born again has been singled out the salvation verse uh, and linked with fear of a damning God who is concerned with very simplistic in and out status. This is also a chapter that many have used to condition Christians to feel pressure to evangelize and make sure everyone else is born again. Um, we associate John chapter 3 with 
thoughtless or hypocritical religion. Overall, we generally agreed that there is a vast disparity between the way Jesus first used this phrase and how it has been used in popular culture in the 21st century. Um, these are just pictures that your comments made me like, it was like, okay, we feel this. Okay, let's get it out. Um, this, is, this is where we're at. And I'm actually proud of Mountainside Communion because even though you had to name what's been hard about this phrase, you spoke so much truth and life into how you have also experienced new life in Christ, being born again, many of us. Um, and some of you did not respond at all, and this is what you felt. You were like, I want to punch you, Sonia, through the internet, because why did you ask me this question in an email? <laughs> so that's, that's some of you. But um, we're going to read the chapter together and um, hopefully find ourselves in this story. It's a beautiful story. Um, so this is John chapter 3, verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these things, no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I'm going to pause here because as I've been looking at this chapter in the last couple weeks, I really just paused here. This was enough for me to, to really find myself in this story. Um, Mountainside Communion, I think this message is for us. Uh, Nicodemus was an educated religious person of a, a good status, a leader. He was a do-gooder. He knew the law of Moses. He loved God. He was trying, trying to follow God, follow the rules, uh, be a good guy. Um, he came to Jesus at night, and that's super interesting to me. It's mysterious, and it's curious, and it's kind of, um, I don't know. I just I sat with that for a while. Um, I want us to find ourselves here. I want us to put, up for me, it was helpful to say about myself. Now, there was a woman of the white Anglo-Saxon, Protestant, middle-class, American, uh, whatever. She was a pastor in a church, and she was a mom, and dot, dot, dot. Because I think all of us can find ourselves somewhere there with Nicodemus. Um, if you're the kind of person that thinks everyone else is a Pharisee, that probably means you <laughs> might be one, too. <laughs> the Pharisees are the bad guys, and then they're the ones pointing at us. So that's, this is us. Um, it was clear for me that this is me. I needed to hear this, to read this. Um, and I'm a mother, a daughter, a sister, and a neighbor, and I can put my, myself there with Nicodemus. I'm religiously educated. I am privileged. I have a similar status of, of this man. Um, we'll continue. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? 
He's a really good intellectual. He asks questions. And this is a rhetorical question because he knew the answer, that he can't be born, like be born biologically, be born again, physiologically. Um, he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed, or um, do not marvel, or do not wonder, or be surprised, um, that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes we do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. In this last part here, Nicodemus said to him, oops, yes. Did I get that? Yes. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, are you the teacher of Israel, and do you not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and testify of what we have seen, and you do not accept our testimony. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes in him have eternal life. For God so loved the world, here it is, the zinger. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. This is the word of the Lord. Um, I said it a little bit in the beginning, but very important to know, again, Nicodemus is society's man. Um, the system worked for Nicodemus. The religious system, the Roman system, everything was working for Nicodemus. Um, and the society wasn't that different. I mean, it was different, but it, throughout history, big differences and also a lot of similarities on how these things are built. Um, societies are not based upon leadership of a servant like Jesus. Societies are based on a common dom um, like a domination, power over, um, a control model where racism, sexism, classism, people rise to the top and sit at the bottom. It's, it's human systems. And Nicodemus was in that, and I'm wondering if he was just kind of, kind of over it as someone on the inside of a system that worked for him. Um, but what I want us to, to know here, a couple things, and this is why the first paragraph of this whole chapter really sat with me most. Um, he was a man, and he had a name. And yes, he was an individual. And he was a part of this community of Pharisees. And in his case, the Sanhedrin, the ultra-ruling class of the, the religious system. Um, 
And I looked at this, just this sentence, and it struck me. And I, I have a couple nuggets, and then I'm going to use all, everything that, all the feedback I got from this community, and we're just going to go through this and find life in it. Um, I think that rebirth is both individual and communal. Um, I'm going to quote some of you now in your responses. Somebody said, I was born again in high school when I dropped my family's desired identity for me and took up a new identity as a Christian. This was also salvation. We do have a conversion story among us, and I'm not going to name names this morning, but these are some beautiful stories that came out of um, looking at this passage together. Um, another person said, being born again is about entering into God's family in a full, complete, 100% child of God identity. I am held, nurtured, guided, and disciplined by the love of God. The life events that stand out for me were in my sophomore year of high school when I got to study the Bible with a small group of friends. And there was a moment of surrender or finally letting go of my preoccupation with being cool, my efforts of having to fit in and maintain the cool. Um, and the same person said, again, in college, I was finally baptized. And it was my church community that challenged me to reimagine who I was in light of what God has done. Um, a few of us, in responses to this, these, this chapter, this phrase, um, being born again, we emphasize our baptisms. Um, the baptisms symbolize their rebirth, going into the water and rising into life in Christ. That is not an individual thing, although it might seem like we say my baptism or whatever. You have to have someone baptizing you, and often it's done in groups of people in church communities. Um, baptize, baptism is an individual, maybe uh, like a movement or an effort, and it is carried out, practiced with the community of God. It is both individual and communal. Um, a couple agreed that they were baptized around the age of 13. And they're like, was this when I was born again? <laughs> um, they accepted Jesus as their Lord and made it public, as we often do in the church, um, but not much changed in their life. In fact, a common description of this time was that their life got harder because they just started making bad choices. And this was, a common, this was common among a couple of us. Um, so they were wondering, like, was the spirit? Where was the spirit? Or where was the community to help guide them in the baptism? Um, it was in that same, like, get, getting saved paradigm that they described that, that experience. Um, one friend of mine spoke of her entire recovery process through her AA group, this being the fullness of rebirth for her. She has been given a new life, and nothing out there in the world ever compares to each meaningful step she's taken along the way in her community of recovery. Um, Yes, there was anguish and loneliness and meaninglessness and sorrow and failure and pride and ego and addiction. And she says, those do not have the final word. That is rebirth for her. Um, one person told the story about being with a friend who was learning to exhale pain and inhale new hope for a new life in the context of other friends praying together. 
Um, she says it was a powerful moment of rebirth to witness, but she believes that it looks different for everyone and the journey is much longer than that single moment. Another commented on the idea of being experienced, um, oh, of experiencing rebirth in societal transformation. Uh, he wrote, working for public employee labor union for more than two decades has provided opportunities on a regular basis to help employees who had sometimes serious problems at work. In doing so, I became more understanding, a better listener, less judgmental. Even my managers were instrumental in my own personal change. Over time, our values and decisions can demonstrate kindness, compassion for others, and a desire to help those who are in need and a willingness to resolve conflicts and make peace. Um, that story that one of you sent to me reminded me of one of my favorite uh, stories from 2019. It was um, actually a, I just screenshot it. It's an article about a village in France that is known for, not even during World War II, although this article highlighted that, but even before World War II started, this village was known for caring for outsiders or for people who were at risk of what was happening. And then World War II, of course, um, exaggerated that and exposed it all, and it was super severe. But um, it's a really good article, and it reminded me of Mountainside Communion, not as if like we're going to aspire to that or as, as we can try and be something we're not or like patting ourselves on the back, but the way that we love each other in this community and care for the ones who are the weakest or the most vulnerable. It just reminded me of this um, anthropologist who wrote this article who set out to study a community that had this shared vision. And to me, the, in this article, it just had rebirth over and over and over again as this person described this community. So it is both individual and um, communal. Um, and finally, when Jesus chooses the metaphor of childbirth, um, you can't have that metaphor as an individual. Um, yes, there are individuals experiencing the birth. There's the mom having the baby. There's the baby being born. There's hopefully a midwife or an attendant assisting. There's maybe a father around. Like, those are individuals who are together in this metaphor of childbirth. And um, the baby isn't making an individual holy choice to be born. The baby is a gift. And the other individuals involved receive this gift. And the baby does very little to be born. It basically accepts itself as a gift as it takes its first breath. So I just think that metaphor is so interesting. Um, the first thing Nicodemus says to Jesus is, we know, we know that you have done these signs and um, we know that you must come from God. I don't think he's convinced yet, but he's saying, he's declaring, I know. Um, this is what intellectuals do. We, we know, we know a lot. In fact, knowledge is not even special anymore because we all know so much and we have instant access to knowledge that knowledge isn't special anymore. There's knowledge everywhere. There's, everyone's the expert on everything. And um, it got me thinking about knowledge that we have about how to use our bodies and how to keep our bodies healthy and knowledge we have about 
how to use our minds and how to keep our minds healthy. And I'm wondering if what might be missing for a lot of us that love knowledge and love to consume knowledge is what's the spirit's role in this in 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 our life in our experience with god and in our experience being um, born again um, there's a billion dollar industries on wellness keeping bodies and minds well and as the people of god my question for us is what what about the spirit and its role um, Jesus actually answers, I don't know if you caught it in verse 8, um, he actually says, you do not know. He says, uh, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. This is a good word for heady intelligent people. You don't know. The Spirit is going to re-energize us in ways we won't expect it to. Um, and again, your stories got me thinking that um, rebirth isn't about knowing, just about knowing God. It's about seeing and entering. These are two action words that are used in this passage. Um, one person wrote, born again is tightly connected with seeing. We need to revise how we see the world. Uh, seeing the unseen, seeing the truth, seeing the upside-down kingdom where the last are first instead of seeing how the world has ordered things where the last are always last. When we are seeing God's kingdom, we are opening our eyes to how God sees the world. This is probably not a singular moment in our lives, but a continual calling. Born again might mean again and again and again we will continually need renewal in our sight and in our vision. Um, a couple of us have had experience of a rebirth leaving the church, getting outside of the church walls, getting outside of a faith community and experiencing God without the people of God. Like, it's like at a point in our lives when we had to leave, that's when we met God, and then we were able to re-enter and experience something new that God had for us. Um, entering, exiting, returning, humans do these things. Be born again, return again, recognize, confess our sin, that which separates us from God, the one who ultimately welcomes us back with grace. Um, verse five, I don't know if you caught it, but Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God, Jesus is implying. You can't see the realm of God, the realm of heaven, if you haven't been, you can't see the realm of heaven if you haven't been born into or see the realm of God. Um, heaven, it, the kingdom of heaven isn't future or something to aspire to, it's here, it's at hand, it's now, and um, that is the good news. Um, so Nicodemus, in this chapter, he didn't, like, meet Jesus and then say the prayer and then get saved and do these things. It was like a slow journey began. Um, we don't even see him again in the Gospel of John until, I think, chapter 7, where he's, in, he's with Pharisees and they're having a big argument and it's getting crazy and they're threatening to kill Jesus. And he, he does something at the very end of that chapter and he asks a question. And it's not remarkable. It's underwhelming. 
He didn't win anyone over. He just asked a question, and the other Pharisees were like, they brushed him off, and then the chapter's over. And then finally, at the end of the gospel, he's there after Jesus has died, and he helps, he takes the body, and he does something super generous, which is against the, as I understand it, against the uh, tradition of the Jewish people at that time to do with, it's like an embalming something, and he does that with the body, and um, the generosity of that act, that's the last of we hear of this guy. That's, that's what we know about his life, these three things in John's gospel. Um, I want to get through this so we have time to respond. The final um, thing that I noticed, I just think that from all of your responses, rebirth is a way of life. Um, it is ongoing. Life in the spirit, the spirit, the spirit can be disorienting. Um, as wind, it could be a heavy gust of wind, it could be swift or unexpected, or it can be a patient, slow breeze um, that cools us off. Some of the responses um, about the way of life, um, someone, someone noted that they have learned that being born again isn't a change in my Christian status, but it is a shift in the direction and pursuit. Um, another said, I have made commitments to practice lifelong learning. Seeing spiritually is actually a practice. Often it is suffering that leads us to see in a new way. Um, another said that self-awareness can lead us to make changes. However small they may be, to live like Christ, to change may be evident in moments. We are loving our neighbor, seeking justice, extending mercy. It is a beautiful movement. Um, a couple of us have had experiences with death in the very hour, in the very moment of death. We've experiences, and in particular, death of a parent being with them as they die. Um, we've had common language around being in death and then almost instantly having that. For me, it was walking outside, looking at the stars after my dad died and, and seeing the lights in the sky and crying new life into me, just crying the death, the mystery of death behind me and the new life, what is ahead without my dad. Um, other common experiences like that from all of your stories. Um, people seem to cling to God most in birth and in death. Um, I think that's when we're the most vulnerable, but it doesn't require those things for us to experience God's spirit, God's movement. Um, so, rebirth is all around us. It's a way of life. Um, our grapevines popped this week, and it was like the biggest miracle of North Encinitas to me. It was just like these tiny little fruits are on this vine, and that vine just appears dead for months until this happens, and it, it rebirth is everywhere. We can't sit on the internet and get angry at people who aren't doing religion right. We have to live in to the birth that comes from God. Live into it and experience it. Otherwise, we're missing out on what creation is doing, what God is doing. 
Um, and I actually don't even think Christians, if we're honest, can handle John 3.16. I don't think we can even handle it because the gift, the fact that God loves, God gave, and God continues to give would not have us upset about this Bible verse <laughs> any longer. Um, this is a gift for us, this whole chapter. So I encourage you to read it this Lenten season. Um, as you reflect and respond this morning in the ways that Deborah mentioned that we're going to do until the kids return. Um, and as they return, you can continue doing those things. I do realize I'm not giving us as much time as we had last week. But one thing I wanted to share personally was I, as I spent, I, I spent some time... I'm a nerd. This is super nerdy. But I actually looked at my life and identified times in my life where I experienced rebirth. And some of these are very, I put ages and like, I like categorize them with color and stuff. This, this practice for me was really, really good for me because um, if we're honest and we really look at a life, as a gift, our lives as a gift from God, um, God has been with us. And um, it took me 35 years, I'm 40 now, but it took me 35 years to actually be able to accept rebirth in the most, I mean, this is the most turmoil and trad, like despair that I was in at that time. It took me 35 years to realize how important community is in these rebirth stories. So think about that um, as you reflect and um, respond today as we continue to sing together. Oh, that's you, musician. <laughs> Go ahead and um, if you'd like to pray, like Deborah said, or put something on the painting or be anointed or pr pray with someone next to you, this is the time for that. we go. Lent, again, is a time of reconciliation and renewal. It is a time when we practice repenting from our sins and returning to God. Revealed in Jesus through the Spirit is always reaching out to us. Because all the fullness of God was pleased to live in Christ Jesus, and God reconciled all these things to himself through Christ, whether things on earth or in the heavens, God brought peace through Christ's cross. Let us pray. Son of God, have mercy on us. We are sinners. We sin in ways we know and in ways that we do not know. We are sinners in ways we are ready to admit. And God searches and knows us in ways we are able to admit. In baptism, we go down into the water, who we were and who we hoped to be. We come up from the water, your disciple. We no longer deny death. We no longer fear death. 